Good evening. How is everybody? Next week, we're going to get together with family and friends, and we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. And I'm so thankful to live in a country where we set aside a day to celebrate Thanksgiving and to be thankful for all of our blessings that God has bestowed upon us. Thanking God for all his gifts is vitally important in our Christian walk. In Psalms 136, verse 1, it declares, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithfulness never ends. It endures forever. When I say thankfulness, I want to also insert there, steadfast, never ending, never quits. His love endures forever. And you know what? If you can't think of anything else to thank God for, we can thank him for his faithful love, can't we? And because he is good to us. When toddlers are really, really small and they're starting to walk and they're starting to talk, we teach them two words. When we hand them something, we say, say, thank you. Give them a piece of candy, thank you. Give them a book, thank you. And they say, thank you. But as they grow older, we need to teach them the value of saying thank you. And we need to teach them what it means to truly be thankful. Otherwise, we grow up and we just say thank you and it doesn't mean anything, does it? But you need to have a heartfelt thank you. Our thank you should be heartfelt with a grateful attitude. Now, I made up a definition for grateful because I looked up Mr. Webster like Bill does every Sunday in Sunday school class. He looks up Mr. Webster uh, on different words. And I like what Mr. Webster said, but I also like what the, I think it's called New Collegiate Dictionary. There's several out there. And I like them all, but I made up my own, okay? Gratitude is the quality of being thankful for what we have and readiness to show appreciation for and return a kindness. Brenda invites me over for lunch. I want to reciprocate, don't I? And I want to invite her for lunch. Linda gives me a present. I want to give her a present. We want to show appreciation for what others have done for us. So we try to return that kindness. The more grateful we are, the more we can see to be grateful for. Because we begin to look for things to be thankful for. Being grateful and seeing things to be thankful for becomes a good habit. You know, some people don't have a habit of saying thank you. A thank you goes a long way with me. If I do something for you and you don't say thank you and truly mean it, it's not likely I'm going to do it again for a little while anyway, unless the Lord tells me to. <laughs> but a thank you goes a long way for me, so I can't. Can you only imagine how a thank you to God goes a long way for him too? Tim Keller said, gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. Gratitude is a feeling. Thanksgiving is something you do. Tonight we're going to talk about the power of gratitude. I never even thought about it being powerful, but being uh Grateful and having an attitude of gratitude is very powerful. I did quite a bit of research on 
gratefulness and having an attitude of gratitude. And there is a lot of information out there. I didn't realize there was. But I created a list of benefits of being grateful. And I mainly went with two people. One was Lisa Apello. I get an email from her once a week or so. She's a Christian writer and blogger. She did, she did a whole article on being grateful. And the other one, I'm not going to try to pronounce this man's name. The first one I can get, first name is Cheetah. His last name is O-K-O-R-O-A-F-O-R. He's the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Nigeria. But living a life with an attitude of gratitude is a powerful source and the benefits are enormous. I created this list from, from those two blogs of things that gratitude is and what it does for us. Gratitude glorifies God. Scripture tells us in Isaiah 43, 7 that we were created for his glory. Giving God the credit due him, and as we honor him with a grateful heart, we bring him glory. To glorify God is to recognize him for who he really is. He's our creator. He's our provider. He created this earth. He's our healer. He's what we need at the time we need it, isn't it? And then... Uh, Psalm 63.3 says, My lips will praise you. Thank God and tell others of his greatness. Tell God, but tell others also how great God is. He alone is worthy of our thanksgiving. God is glorified as we tell him and others of his greatness. He is worthy of all our thanksgiving. When you offer praise and thanksgiving to God, you glorify him. Psalm 50, 23 in the New King James Version says, Whoever offers praise glorifies me. Give him praise, for he alone is worthy of our praise. Remember, in Isaiah 43, 7, it says he created us for his glory. So when we praise him and thank him and tell others about his greatness, we're giving him glory. The second benefit of gratitude is gratitude helps us see God. Gratitude helps us see God. Have you ever felt like God wasn't near? Do you ever think he might have forgotten about you? I have. And if we're all honest, we probably have all felt that way somewhat. You might feel like he's not working for me. He has just totally forgotten about the situation that I'm in. We might feel like he's just totally forgotten. But if we stop and start thanking him for what he has done for us in the past, what he's doing for us right now, and thanking for what he's going to do for us in the future, it opens our eyes to see more and more things that he has done for us. We begin to see more of his character. We can see his hand in our lives, and we can see the doors open and doors closed and the benefit of those. You ever had a door closed, one that you prayed for, and truly wanted God to open, but close that door? I remember one time uh, 
Larry and I were on the verge of really needing a new car. Back then, you didn't get on the internet and search for one. You got out the newspaper and you read through the newspaper looking for deals on cars at car dealers. And Larry found one he thought we might could afford and would need, would meet our needs. And so we made an appointment with the car dealer and went there. Nothing worked out. We had to get up and leave because it didn't work out. It was a beautiful car, but it just did not work out for us. A few weeks later, he was looking through the newspaper again and he found another car dealer. And well, here we go again. I hate going to the car dealer, especially with my husband because he would chew people down and that was so embarrassing to me. Oh, I just hated it. But he always took me so I could give him my opinion of what, if I liked the car or I didn't like the car. Anyway, a few weeks later, he saw this car in the newspaper and we made an appointment to go look at it. And we did and we, he test drove it and I rode along and it was really nice but I thought, well, we blew it the last time. We probably won't get this one either. But we went in and made the, made a deal. But we got within $50. And Larry got out and walked out. Over $50. You talk about really being embarrassed. I was embarrassed. But we drove home. And when we pulled in the garage, I heard the phone ringing. So I ran in the house and I answered the phone. And they said they need to speak to Mr. Barnett. And I said, okay. And so I handed the phone to him. And it was the car dealer. Mr. Barnett, I've been talking to our financial guy. And uh, I think we can make a deal with you. It went down to $50. And he said, well, Larry said, well, okay. But I want a new set of tires put on it. I was so thankful I wasn't in that man's office. <laughs> And the man said, well, let me talk to the financial guy. So he came back and said, Mr. Barnett, you drive a hard bargain, but we're going to do it. We're going to put a new set of tires. Because he never would buy a brand new car. He wanted one that was barely used, like program cards, demos or something. Anyway, so we got ready, went to the car dealer, went in, talked to the guy, and got ready to sign the papers. And he said, uh, I Larry said, I really think you need to pay for taxes and put tags on it. Anyway, the man said, all right, we'll do it. And God closed the one door, but he opened another door. We had to be thankful for the door that he closed because he opened the door for a much better deal. He got new tires put on the car, he got the taxes paid, and he got the license plates paid for. They said he drove a hard bargain, but it worked because he prayed about it before we ever left. And this is the price that God put on his heart and it worked out. He stuck to the guns what God told him to do. We must thank him for what he did not do and what he did do. Thanking God for all his gifts, good and what we might deem to be not so good, helps us see God and his handiwork. We can go back and look in the past and see how God has worked throughout our lives. Number three, gratitude 
puts us in God's will. Gratitude puts us in God's will. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us, Be thankful in all things, in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. This is God's will, to give thanks. And it's for those who belong to Christ Jesus. To be in God's will, we have to be thankful in every circumstance of our life. We must be diligent to give thanks on good days as well as the bad days. Even in the worst situations, we can find good if we look for it. But you have to look for it. We can look for a lesson that needs to be learned. All kinds of things we can look for. But we look for things to be thankful for. During those times, we can be thankful that the situation was not as bad as what it could be. We can look for lessons to be learned in the bad situations. And we must be thankful in all things because it's God's will. It puts us in God's will when we're thankful. And that was found in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Number four, gratitude brings encouragement. In 1 Samuel 17, verses 36 through 54, we read of the story of David and Goliath. David told Saul that he had killed lions and he killed bears and that God had saved him from the lions and the bears. He told Saul that he could kill the heathen Philistine and God would save him. David acknowledged that God had saved him from the lions and the bears. That gave David encouragement. You know, if I can kill a lion and I can kill a bear, I can kill this giant because he's He's talking ugly to God's people. And it also encouraged Saul, because at first Saul said, no, you're just a young man. You can't go out there and fight this giant. But then David told him, I killed lions and I killed bears because God helped me. And that encouraged Saul. He said, okay, you go, but may the Lord be with you. Looking at and telling others about and crediting God for past victories encourages us to trust God for our next victory. You looking forward to your next victory? Think about what he's done in the past for you. Number five, gratitude builds faith. Giving thanks for what God has done increases our faith as well as the faith of others. Did you ever feel encouraged and, and your faith is built by listening to the testimony of other people? Absolutely. You remember 50, 60 years ago, I don't remember 60 years ago, but you know. You remember when we used to have testimony services? I do. And your faith is built when you hear. Remember Granny Warren used to stand up and say what God had done for her and Sister Freeman would just praise the Lord and tell what God had done for her. And it built our faith. And the same thing happens today. You get together with your friends and you talk about what God has done for you. And they talk about what God's done for them and it builds your faith. If he did it for them, he'll do it for me. So it builds our faith. Romans 10, 17 tells us that Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God is a faith builder. 
He helps build our faith. The more you hear it, and the more you tell others, the more your faith increases for the thanks giver and for the hearer. So it not only encourages the one giving thanks, but encourages the hearer as well. Gratitude, I love this one, brings multiplication. John 6, verses 5 through 13, tells us the story of when Jesus fed the 5,000. The people were hungry. They came to listen to Jesus teach. There was no food to feed the crowd. And Jesus asked Andrew, what are we going to do? And Andrew said, we don't have the money to go buy the food we need to feed this many people. And it was just, it was 5,000 men sitting on the grass. And that wasn't counting the women and the children. I don't know why they didn't count women and children. They were important too. But they counted the men. There were 5,000 of them. How are we going to feed these people? And Andrew says he found a little boy there who had five barley loaves and two fishes. Jesus had the people, about 5,000 men, sit in the grassy area. Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks. And then he started passing the loaves of bread out to the disciples and the fish out. Five loaves of bread, two fishes. And he passed them out to the disciples after he gave thanks. And then they fed all the men and the women and the children. And how many baskets were left over? Twelve baskets were left over. God took that little bitty bit and multiplied it and multiplied it and multiplied it. All because Jesus gave thanks for it. God brought multiplication after Jesus gave thanks for the little bit they had. He'll do the same multiplication for you. For us in our lives, if we have it, if we live a life of gratitude. Can you think of a time when you multiplied for you? I can. Many, many, many times. I was thinking about it today, and one in particular time, my husband's job, the business closed up. He had no job. And uh, it went nine months with him looking for a job. Nine months when you got two babies is a long time. But we didn't buy diapers because we clocked time. But you had food, you had formula to buy, and you had bills to pay, and you had tithes to pay, and you went on a, on a uh, unemployment check. And it's, it doesn't even come near what you were making. As he was driving the truck, he was, I mean, uh, he wasn't driving the truck at that time, he was the station manager for the truck lines, making pretty good money, and then all of a sudden, that was chopped off. But one night in a youth rally in Arkansas, we were listening to the district. Back then they were called PYPA leaders. Now they're called uh, DYDs, district youth directors. And he preached on the widow and the barrel she had that was never empty. It was never empty. She did what she was told to do. Elijah told her, go make me a cake. She said, well, all I've got is this little bitty bit. He said, go make me a cake. And you know, her barrel was never empty. That happened long about September of that year when Larry lost his job. Somebody paid our way to come up here to come home for Christmas to visit with family. Brother McKinley caught Larry out of the audience on Sunday night. And he said, Larry, your barrel is never going to be empty. 
And thank God it was never empty that whole nine months. That was a long nine months, but our cabinets were never there, never ever. We always paid our tithes first, we always paid our bills first, and then what was left over, we bought food with it. I remember one week, it was all said and done, we had $13 left, and I had to buy formula, and food for Becky and Larry and me. But you know what? God made a way. And I'll always be grateful to him for what he did for us. He multiplied. He multiplied that little bit that was in our cabinet. And I just knew, I just knew, every time I went out to the mailbox, there was going to be a check for $1,000. That's how God was going to meet my need. He didn't. He didn't meet the need that way. But he met the need because he multiplied the little bit we had. And we were thankful for what he did do. Can you think of a time when God multiplied for you? Absolutely all of us can. And then the story about the widow and her son and the barrel that was never empty is found in 1 Kings chapter 17. And number seven, gratitude turns healing into wholeness. Now I looked up the definition of whole. It means complete. Let me find it. I got lost this year. Uh, it means complete, restored, free of defect or impairment, physically sound, free of disease or deformity, mentally or emotionally sound. Now, the story of the ten lepers, I know all y'all know that story, is found in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. As Jesus entered the village, he met ten lepers that were standing off to the side. And they shouted, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus saw them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. When one of the men, who was a Samaritan, who I understand the Jews did not like Samaritans, saw that he was healed, he returned to Jesus, and with a loud voice he glorified God. He fell on his face at the feet of Jesus and gave thanks because the Lord had healed him. And Jesus said to him, Were there not ten people that I healed? Where are the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except that one foreigner? Arise, Jesus said. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Now then, with that definition I read about being whole, I believe the leper was made completely whole. Not only was he cleansed of leprosy, but his mind was healed. I think he was healed spiritually. I think he was made whole emotionally. Because that's what God does for us when we are thankful for what he's done for us. Thankful and the man was made whole. I, I just... That's wonderful. And then number eight, gratitude brings down the glory of God. I love this one too. Second Chronicles chapter five talks about the ark that was being brought back into the temple. Solomon had just finished his work on the temple, and they were ready to move the ark of the covenant into the temple. Solomon 
He brought in all the gifts his father David had dedicated, all silver and gold. Then the ark was brought into the temple. Solomon summoned the elders and all the leaders, the heads of the tribes. They were bringing the ark of the, co the Lord's covenant to the temple from Zion. When the elders of Israel arrived, the Levites picked up the ark and all the sacred items in it. King Solomon and Solomon and the entire community of Israel sacrificed many sheep, goats, and cattle. Then the priest carried the ark of the Lord's covenant into the sanctuary of the temple, into the most holy place. All the priests purified themselves, whether they were on duty or not on duty that day. The Levites and musicians and their sons and brothers were clothed in fine linen robes. They played cymbals and lyres and harps. They were joined by 120 priests who played trumpets, musicians. And singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord in unison. They were all playing and singing together. And they sang, God is good. His faithful love endures forever. God is good. His faithful love endures forever. As they played their instruments and sang, a thick cloud began to fall in the temple. And it said that the priest could not even stand, couldn't minister anymore because of the glorious presence of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? When we come into God's presence with an attitude of gratitude, sing his praises and tell of his greatness and awesomeness, his glory comes down. We must focus on gratitude every day, every single day. Think about it. My son, son Matthew on Facebook a couple of weeks ago wrote, happiness doesn't suddenly come when you finally get what you didn't have. Rather, it comes when you appreciate what you already have. This world would have us believe that what we need is more and more and more and more. And reality is more does not satisfy us. Whatever it is, it's just not going to satisfy us. We think if we get a new car, I'll be happy then. If I get a new house, I'll be happy then. If I get married, I'll be happy. If I retire, I'll be, I'll be happy. But we can't wait till these things happen. We need to be thankful now for what we already have. Appreciate God for what he has done, how he's blessed us. We must live a life of gratitude. Once we start truly thanking God, we'll start seeing more and more to be thankful for. So how do we get started being thankful? Well, I Googled that too. Every site that I went to talked about making a gratitude journal. And now some of the sites said list one through seven, write down everything you're thankful for. And the next day, write down seven more. Another place said start with three. Write down three things you're thankful for. Next day, write down three more things. I think if you just write down what you are thankful for every day, add a little bit more of what you are thankful for, you'll start looking 
for things to be thankful for. And guess what? You'll find them pretty easily, too. So I think that's what we need to do, is start a gratitude journal. I started one last year, started writing down everything I was thankful for. Some days I had to really think, and that's, that's not good, but I did. But then it got easier every day. Every day it got a little easier to thank him and praise him for who he is and what he's done. Uh, the secret to a good life is seeing the good in life. And that's what we need to do is see the good in life and be thankful for it.